Testament passage today picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, beginning with verse 24. Now, this is after the death of the child born due to the adulterous relationship between David and Bathsheba. Now David has taken Bathsheba to be his wife. Then David comforted his wife. Now it's, now it's his wife, Bathsheba. And he went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So they called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Now here is grace in the middle of a sinful mess. Now some of you young people, straight talk, all right? You didn't ask to be born. And you were born the child of a number two. You were born as a result of a, of a sexually immoral relationship. And so you think that somehow your life is not going to be much. Well, the Lord loved Solomon. And the Lord loves you. And God made Solomon's life the greatest king in Israel's history other than King David. If God can do that for Solomon, God can do that for you. Grace flows. Now Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah. Moreover, I have taken the city of waters. Now then gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called by my name. Now here is wisdom of a number two. Instead of calling them a number two, let's call them wisdom of a second in command. To defer to the king. That was wisdom. Now you say, well, it was his victory. Yeah, but you got to understand that army was there because David sent them. That army had supplies because David sent them. That army was trained because David had them trained. So he could sit there and think this victory was his, but he didn't. He said, this is, this is the king's victory. Let's make sure the king comes and the king. This is wisdom of second level of leadership. This is a great leadership thought. Whenever you see an L in my Bibles, that's leadership. So David gathered all the people together, went to Rabbah, and fought against it and took it. And he took the crown of their king from his head, and the weight of it was a talent of gold, and in it was a precious stone. And it was placed on David's head, and he brought out the spoil of the city, a very great amount. And he brought out all the people who were in it, and set them to labor with saws and iron picks and iron axes, and made them toil at the brick kilns. And thus he did to all the cities of the Ammonites. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now Absalom, and now we begin the story of rebellion. And it, it is a long story over many years before it finally came to fruition. Now Absalom, David's son, remember Absalom was number four, had a beautiful sister whose wife was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, the older brother of Solomon, David's son loved him. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for Amnon to do anything to her. So Amnon was actually, this is full of lust. Love is never a torment. Love is not a torment. Lust 
is love is a joy love is a pleasure this is this is why i tell young people don't when you're courting keep it clean i'm trying to say all this nicely because we're on for everybody can see it tell young people keep the relationship clean because once you start getting sex in then that sex drives the relationship ah and many good relationships have been destroyed lust is a torment but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man. Now, this is not a good friend. Now, now brothers and sisters, you got to be careful who you choose as friends in life. You know, some people say, you know, you need to be friends for life. No, no, no. You need to be friends with God for life. Okay. Jonadab was a very crafty man. This is not a good friend. See, a crafty person, a crafty friend, a crafty friend will teach you how to get in trouble. They'll teach you how to get in trouble. And he said to him, Oh, son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Because he laid away all, all night with lust in his heart. Will you not tell me? And Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother's Absalom's sisters. And Jonahab said, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight that I may see it and, and eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to him, Amnon said to the king, please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat from her hand. So David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, where he was lying down, and she took no to knead it, and made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And he said, Send everyone out for me. Ah, you need privacy to sin. So everyone went out from him. Now, ladies, when a boy wants you alone, when a boy wants you alone, leave now. So Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the chamber that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes she had made and brought them into the chamber to Amnon to eat. But when he brought them near to her, to him to eat, he took hold of her and said, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, No, my brother, don't violate me. For such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. This is your one half sister. Same father, different mother. As for me, where could I carry my shame? As for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. She said, you want to marry me? Ask the king. But he would not listen to her. And being stronger than she, now, ladies, never forget this. Men are stronger. This is why you don't want to be alone. 
He violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love that he had loved her with. And he said, get up and go. Wow. Now, love doesn't turn to hate. Lust turns to hate. But she said, no, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. So he called the young man who served and said, put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe of sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore. And she lay her hand on her head and went away crying aloud as she went. And her brother Absalom said to her, Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother's house. Wow. She did nothing wrong. But now notice. The brother's reputation put before a sister's honor. Now, the Bible just shows us facts. It doesn't, you know, this is just what life was. Guys, never put a man's honor and a man's name before a woman's honor, ever. When David heard of all these things, he was angry. So David did hear. You say, well, I, I thought Absalom told Tamar to keep it quiet. Yeah, but how many people saw her with the arms ripped off of her robe and ashes on her head and crying aloud with her hand on her head? Yeah. But Absalom spoke to Ammon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Ammon because he had violated his sister Tamar. All right, now here's something to watch for. Hatred kept silent becomes explosive. Amnon spoke neither good nor bad. Be careful when people go completely quiet. Be careful when people go completely quiet. After two full years, so notice this. He never said a word to Amnon for two years. After two full years, Absalom had sheep shears at Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim. And Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go, lest we become burdensome to you. And he pressed him, but he would not go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, then please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said, Why should he go with you? Okay, he's, he's got some concern. He remembers the past. But Amnon pressed him until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Now notice. Vengeance, there's an old quote. In fact, it's on a Star Trek video, which is probably why I know it. Vengeance is a dish best served cold. 
There are people who keep resentment and vengeance in their heart. And then when they think everybody's forgotten, because people would be on their guard otherwise. You have to understand that there are some people that when they think everything is forgotten and everything is forgiven, that's when they launch their attack. And Absalom commanded his servants, Mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. And notice, he commanded his servants. He didn't do it himself. Why? People would be careful. Okay? Amnon would be careful around Absalom because he knows what he did to his sister. But the servants, no. So Absalom, the servants of Absalom did to Ammon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the kings arose, each mounted his mule and fled. While they were on the way, news came to David, Absalom has struck down all the king's sons and not one of them is left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth and all of his servants were standing by, tore their garments. But Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, said, Let not my lord suppose, let not, let not my lord suppose. Now I want you to back up here just a little bit. Jonadab. Okay, now bring Jonadab all the way back down here. Here's the same guy again. The guy who taught Absalom how to rape his sister. Here he is. This is the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. Here he is again. Then Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead. For by the command of Absalom, this has been determined from the day he violated his sister Tamar. So he knew. He knew what was up. Now, therefore, let not my lord the king Take it to heart as to suppose that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon alone is dead. But Absalom fled. And the young men who kept watch lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. And Jonadab and Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come, as your servant has said, so it has come about. All right, so now he takes credit and draws close to the king. When really, you know what? He's the guy that started all the mess. Now, folks, it's amazing how there will be people who will play you in leadership. And, and this, this, these are leadership thoughts, all right? This is, this is all leadership stuff. It is amazing how there will be people who will play you when they were the ones that were pulling the strings all along. As soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all of his servants wept bitterly. But Absalom fled. Absalom fled. And went to Talmai, the son of Aminahug, king of Gushur. 
and David mourned for his son day after day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there for three years. The spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted about Absalom since, or Amnon since he was dead. Now, here's a father's heart. The father's heart will be comforted about the past. And a father's heart will long for the future. Now, that's just something you have to learn. This is, again, a leadership truth. David's heart was comforted regarding the death of his son, Amnon. But he wanted to have a relationship with the son that was still alive. This is a father's heart. All right. Now, some incredible, incredible leadership stuff in here today, folks. Right from the Jonadab, the crafty man, okay? I mean, this Jonadab guy who actually is the string puller that gets all of this horrible, sinful situation going. And down at the end of it, he's the one who improves his position in the court. <laughs> oh, what a tangled web some people weave. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Yeah. 
Our New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 19, begin with verse 28. After this, knowing that all was finished, knowing that all was finished, he said, I thirst. So all the work done. Here's the leadership truth. Personal needs allowed to surface when work is done. A jar of sour wine. Now notice there's different kinds of wine. Okay, there's there's new wine. There's the puree that they mix together, four parts water with one part wine. And then there's sour wine. Sour wine was wine that had never been boiled down into the puree. And because they had no way to stop the fermentation, and it would just turn into vinegar. It would turn sour. A jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Now notice before he said, I will not drink of this cup again. He wasn't drinking of, of the right stuff, okay? He was drinking of sour wine. And when he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. The greatest words that Jesus ever spoke. And that is an incredible statement to make in itself. It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He gave life. He's not a martyr. He's not a martyr. Now, since it was the day of preparation, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Now, the breaking of the legs means they can't push themselves up to take a breath, and the crucifixion ended quicker. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and there came out blood and water. Okay, that, that shows that he had died. And he who saw it bore witness. Now, he who saw it, this is John the Beloved. He who saw it bore witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you may also may believe. But these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, they will look upon him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Now, now this is just full of truth here. Joseph of Arimathea would have been a member of the Sanhedrin court, a very powerful man, and he had access to Pilate, which, not, which very few people did. Okay, that was not a common thing. But he believed in Jesus, but secretly. When you are a secret follower, one day you have to come out really public. And here's the truth there. Secret requires a big reveal. 
Okay, because this is no longer just, you know, sitting down and listening to Jesus teach. He had to take a public stand now. Big reveal. And, and some of you don't get that sometimes, and you wonder why you've, you've been secretly following Jesus, and, and then all of a sudden God requires a big thing, because that's how it always works. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. This was for burial. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen, in linen cloths with the spices, as was the burial custom of the Jews. Now, myrrh and these things, this would take care of the smell. The, the flesh of a rotten body is overwhelming. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jew. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now, if you go with us to Israel, if this is the garden tomb area, this is Golgotha right here. The tomb is here. Golgotha is here. And we always do our devotions right about here. To me, it's one of the coolest places to be in the entire universe. I'm standing between the cross and the resurrection. You look one direction, you see Golgotha. You look the other direction, you see the empty tomb. It's a great place. Chapter 20, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, this is John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going along toward the tomb, both of them running together. But the other disciple, who is that? That's John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. John did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. <laughs> then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. Now again, this is... This is John, all right? For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Now, how many times did Jesus tell him? How many times did Jesus tell them, on the third day I will rise again? They still didn't understand it. Brothers and sisters, there are things that you and I don't understand for a season. But then one day, we do see and we do believe. All right. Just a little bit of wisdom today before we close out. Proverbs chapter 26, beginning with verse 7. Like a layman's legs, which hang useless, is a proverb in the mouth of fools. All right. So <laughs> a fool using scripture. <laughs> 
Anybody can quote the scripture. Anybody can quote the book of Proverbs. But it's like a lame man's legs. They just hang useless. There's no power. There's no ability. There's no life. That's what a fool uses scriptures. Now, you just need to get a hold of that today. Like one who binds the stone in a sling. In other words, that, that these long slings that the shepherds would use. If you tied up the stone in the pouch of the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Now, forgive me, but you try to honor a fool? <laughs> All it does is create useless A stone tied in, in a sling is useless. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of the drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. <laughs> the drunkard feels nothing. A thorn in the hand of a drunkard. He feels nothing because he's drunk. Is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Now, this is again a fool using scripture. One, there's no power, there's no ability, there's no life. <laughs> and secondly, no effect on them. No effect. No effect on them. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. Be careful who you hire. Wow. Archers just shoot randomly, and they don't even know who they're killing. When you hire a passing fool, when you hire a drunkard, you're going to be destroying people that you don't even know. Look at the New Living. An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. You never know who you're going to hit. You never know who you're going to destroy. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Yuck. Now, maybe make that yuck squared, all right? Yuck squared. A dog that returns. Have you ever watched? I mean, please, you know I'm a dog person. Have you ever noticed a dog will go back? and eat its own vomit, and you're just going to go, ah, and then they want to come lick you, uh-uh. You know how you just revolted by that? A fool who repeats the same foolishness is yuck squared. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I always remember to be little in your own eyes. Remember the passage of King Saul. God said, when you were little in your own eyes, I could use you. When you start thinking you're something, there's no hope. All right, we're going to close out there today. There's a lot of wisdom that we've shared on today. That Old Testament passage, the Proverbs passage, there's some incredible wisdom in here today. Go back and meditate on it. Go back and think about it. 
you know, you want to learn HR? Well, here's a good HR thing, all right? We'll see you tonight as we get back into Proverbs, those three beautiful gifts. See you at 7 o'clock.